So I get to control a property. I could live in it or I could fill it with other renters. Mm -hmm. That's what that does, but it doesn't, it doesn't transfer the title to me. So it still technically belongs to, like legally belongs to uh, the seller until I exercise my option yep. and actually purchase the house. But I'm not interested in owning the house. I'm interested in controlling the house. Mm. I want to lock in a price now so that I can capture any appreciation. But I don't necessarily want to receive the tax bill, which is all the title is good for. I'm here with Anand Pashanta and he's going to tell us uh, something about uh, real estate investing and, and different ways that you can um, buy and, and sell houses uh, without necessarily needing to own them in the meantime. How's it going? I'm doing well. Beautiful day here in Acapulco. Yep. Ready for Acapulco conference next, next weekend. Psyched. <laughs> yep. So you, yeah, you're going to be speaking there as well, yeah? I'll be telling the world about the connector app that is due out soon. All right, great. Yeah. What's that about? Uh, the connector app allows people to find other people, businesses, dates, events, based on their affinities that they build into a profile when they set it up mm -hmm. on a map. Mm. So you'll be able to look at a map and filter. You might want to find... Uh, might want to find someone to be friends with that's also into mountain biking. Mm -hmm. So you would use a filter word, mountain biking, uh, which is in the list, um, or any filter word. Uh, and then everyone else disappears except mountain bikers that are near you. Mm. So it's like you could walk into a party and, and hold up the phone and see everyone who's into the same thing as you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's made to connect people who have uh, common affinities. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, badass. Okay. Cool. Uh, so yeah, last night you were telling me about about real estate and how you can say live live for free, live rent free. Um, how would you go about that? Well, I could explain all the um, all the theory about it, but I'll just tell mm -hmm. you about my exact situation. Yep. Sure. So in Washington State, I have a house. Um, that I acquired with a lease and an option. So mm -hmm. I was able to make an agreement with the owner that I would um, pay a monthly payment to her. Mm -hmm. And then at some point in the next two years, I have the option to purchase the house at, this particular house happens to be 185,000 US, mm -hmm. um, which was a good deal. And so I don't have to buy the house, but I'm the only one that's able to buy the house at that price within that time. Mm -hmm. So that's an option. And so it's a large house and it has extra rooms in it. So to make that contract between her and I a, a legitimate contract, there has to be an exchange of money. So I give her $10. Yep. And then I was able to move in, take control of the house. And then I rented out the other three rooms in the house mm -hmm. to tenants. And so my payment on the house is about $1,200. And I rent out the other three rooms for $400 each. 
and they're all on the other side of the house, and they all share their own bathroom. And my room has its own door to the outside, its own bathroom. It's almost like a little apartment of its own. Um, so I get this giant house. The other three tenants are usually not there. And when they are, they're in their rooms. We don't have a TV or radios in the common areas. Occasionally, I'll bump into them in the kitchen uh, you know, or in the dining room. But for the most part, it really seems like it's just a large house all to myself, mm. except I am not paying for it. Um, so that house is about to close. I've sold it. Mm -hmm. I never have to actually go get my own money yep. to close the deal. I've sold my option to another party. That will close um, in the end of February for 250000 Right. And so I still am obligated to pay the, the woman who sold the house to me, sold the option to me for 185. I have to give her that 185 still. Mm -hmm. And then I get to keep the rest. Right. So right. I moved in, controlled the house, was able to live in it for a few years. Um, never had to pay rent or a mortgage payment on it. Uh, and then I sold my option on it uh, and made 65000 minus closing costs. Mm. And so total, it cost me $10. <laughs> nice. Ten dollars to buy the option and, right. the, and the lease. Yeah. So, so what is her motivation? What What is the reason that she wants to enter into this lease uh, option? Her situation was that she was ready to retire. Hmm. She had a plan to move to the other side of the country, so Washington State's on the west coast, and she wanted to live in, I think, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And she was dead set that when her grandson got out of high school on the 7th of June, uh, she really was intent on having her moving van packed and drive to uh, her new destination. Mm. And so her retirement was happening. She had already had the house listed with the real estate agent for about six months. And lucky for me, it was a very uh, uh, inept real estate agent. So the house never sold, mm. uh, which increased her motivation. And so I advertise um, with billboards and uh, um, and your website, my website, of course, and signs around town, mm -hmm. um, saying on, we we buy houses. That's it, exactly. Like that. We buy yeah. houses, or stop foreclosure, or uh, just trying to let people know how we can help them. You know, fast cash for house, that sort of thing. Yeah. So when she called me, I was on my way to another appointment, and I just said, you know what, I'll call this one back. And it was it was a really cool situation. I just stopped by. And uh, she told me everything that she needed. And I said, well, I don't know if this would work, but what if I could do this for you? Would that solve your problems? Hmm. Um, and it was an exact match. So hmm. I've done so many different kinds of real estate deals now that there isn't a situation that someone's in that if they explain it clearly to me, I can't buy their house in a, with a technique that solves their problems. Right. So that's really the approach that I have is, I come in and they want to show me the house. They think the seller thinks it's about the house. Yep. But for me, it's really about building rapport with them so that they feel comfortable enough to tell me what their problem is and be honest about it. Mm. Once they do that, I can come up with a solution for them. And, and if that solution is profitable as well, we move forward. Mm. If uh, me buying their house isn't the best solution for them, let's say they have a retail house or they're not very motivated, um, then I can refer them to one of the competent realtors that's in my network 
Oh, okay. So, so even if if you can't help them directly, you can still refer them to someone who Definitely. might be able to. Not every house is an investment market house. Some of them are retail um, market houses um, where that has curb appeal. They don't have problems with the payments. They don't have some other life circumstance that's really motivating them. Mm-hmm. Um, those situations I refer to a realtor because they deal with uh, full-priced houses. Hmm. So. Uh, like you were saying about about building rapport and finding out the problem and finding a solution, this is kind of consultative selling. Uh, do do you have experience in sales? Well, just selling houses. Yeah. Okay. Um, before before real before you got into real estate, you didn't have any other sales experience. No. Yep. No, and this is to me isn't about um, being like a salesperson. Yeah. I with this. Um, scenario, yep. they call me mm. and I just listen to them. I say, well, this seems like a really nice house. Why would you want to sell it? Or yep. how come it hasn't already sold? Mm-hmm. And the further they get into explaining their situation, the more it really is them selling me. Mm-hmm. They are trying to uh, tell me why I need to buy the house in a mm-hmm. way. And then after they explain their issues, I just, I just say, well, this is one possible solution that I know. Does that sound like a fit to you? Mm-hmm. And so there's not really any, there's not really any selling. It's just getting the person to the point of clear and honest communication Yep. and then presenting a possible solution to them. And if they like it, then we move forward with that idea. Mm-hmm. And so my only pre, what led me into this is that I had a house uh, maybe 20 something years ago now that I had difficulty selling and I tried to sell it on my own for sale by owner with a sign in the yard and ad in the newspaper. Uh, and that didn't work. And it was just a slow time in the market and kind of a low demand area of town. Right. Uh, I, so I tried a realtor after that and, um, that didn't work either. Uh, so I went and to the bookstore and looked at books, about other techniques. I was like, there must be some kind of way to hack house sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I came up uh, with information about lease options. Um, and I, I thought, wow, if I could let somebody move in now and have, have up to two years before they have to give me the cash and they just make me a monthly rental payment until then, that'll give them time to clean up their credit or do whatever is required for them to qualify for their bank loan. And what I do know about economics is that if you increase the demand by increasing the size of your audience, right? Mm -hmm. So now I'm selling not only to people with bank loans, but also to people who don't yet qualify for bank loans. Ah, okay. Because you get, they don't have to have that, that, uh, that immediacy. Like they don't have to have everything available right now. Right. It can be any time in the next two years or even longer. Yeah. So it's people who qualify for a bank loan and people who will, if they work on it. Mm-hmm. So that's a larger audience. So that increases the price. Yep. And so it increases the demand and I still only have one house. So the, su- the supply doesn't go up, just the demand does. So the price goes up. Mm-hmm. So lease options are great because it's a, it's a great way to help. Everybody needs housing and it's a great way to help people when you sell, if you can. And as an investor, I can, I have more than one house. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can a- afford to sell in this way. Um, and it's a clever way to 
buy houses as well because it's always best um, to reserve your capital that you have um, for deals that require immediate cash. Those are like heavily discounted houses like wholesale properties. Mm -hmm. So I never use my own cash unless it's a, a, a severe discount on a, on a property with a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. And in that case, would you buy the house outright in a lot of cases, or would you use credit? Uh, it if, really depends. On if the someone case. calls me and they have a house that uh, they're willing to severely discount and they need cash right now, uh -huh. yeah, I'll come with a suitcase full of cash. Mm. So when I read Robert Kiyosaki, he normally says stuff like, uh, you, you look at 100 houses and then, then you look at maybe buying one, and if that one doesn't work out, go look at another 100. But in your case, you've got it all set up so, so the, the, the leads that you've got are kind of pre-screened because these, these people already have, you know, they're already looking to sell, maybe they're in a, a, a desperate situation or, they, you know, they need to move it quickly. Exactly. Um, so so um, I guess your, your like, conversion rate, if you will, is going to be a lot higher than 1% or maybe, you know, 20, 40% or something like that. Yeah, there's a totally different dynamic between active and passive marketing. Mm -hmm. So with active marketing, the way Robert Kiyosaki is talking about in this look at 100, make offers on 10, mm -hmm. buy two, or buy one. Mm -hmm. So with active marketing where you're chasing the seller, that's like a numbers game. And with passive marketing, having the sellers call me and try to convince me to buy the house, mm -hmm. it's completely different. Like there's not really any negotiation. Mm. Um, and they don't have a bunch of barriers. So when you're approaching a seller and you're trying to you're chasing them, you're doing active marketing, right? Um, you ha it's very difficult to break through all their barriers about um, their situation or telling you uh, what exactly they need. Mm -hmm. But when a seller calls me and is um, from my passive marketing, they are trying to convince me to buy the house. They tell me exactly how much they owe on the house. They tell me exactly how long it's been listed before. Mm -hmm. They tell me everything about their personal situation that's motivating them. So we get right down to how can I help you mm. instead of having to deal with a lot of the seller's defenses that are keeping you from having honest communication. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, the conversion rate's way higher. Yeah, it's uh, probably about, it's probably over 50%. For a while there in uh, 20, 2013, uh, I had 100%. Everybody that called me sold me a house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fantastic. Yeah. So you you have people contacting you who looking who are looking to sell houses. You also have people contacting you who are looking to buy houses, maybe fix them up, and and flip them or or any number of situations. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so you can just um, uh, like you showed me you ha you have that app where where they. It, it can line up the, the data between the buyers and sellers, mm -hmm. and then you can find a, a situation that meets their needs. Yeah, so I have um, families, like end users, who want to buy houses with rent-to-own terms, um, and they go to my website. They fill out a web form there. They just ask them, hey, what kind of house do you want? What area of town do you want? How much do you have to put down? How much can you afford per month? Mm -hmm. uh, and then when they press submit on that, it makes an entry into my customer relationship management tool. Mm -hmm. uh, and that program allows me to filter and search and um, um, kind of do a, a, a categorized lookup 
of different uh, entries so that I could search, let's say, find people who have $5,000 to put for a down payment or more. Mm -hmm. And it would eliminate everyone else so that I could just look at that group of people and try to make a match with a house that just came up that probably would require 5000 or more for a down payment. Mm -hmm. So I kind of structure it so that the less expensive homes or the smaller homes I let people move into with less money down and the uh, larger, um, more expensive homes, I require a bigger down payment on those for rent to own. Mm -hmm. I also have people that are other investors that um, come to me and they want information about wholesale properties immediately when I acquire them. So sometimes it's, sometimes it's possible for me to get a house that I had to write a, a purchase agreement on and then look in my um, database for my really active cash buyer investors and uh, make, just make a match. I'll say this is this style of house in this area. I know that this investor that's on the top of my list here um, buys exactly that kind of house. Um, so I'll just make a phone call usually so that I can get it sold that day and I'll just sell the contract itself and I'll never have to bother about the actual house. Hmm. Yeah. So I can just hand the contract off to that investor and then he can go do the, um, the fix up on the house or whatever sort of investor that is. It might be a rehabber. It might be someone who buys and holds the property for future appreciation. Um, there's all kinds of different investors that want a line on wholesale price properties and are able to come with cash right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that my whole setup with my website and my uh, CRM program allows me to just make quick matches. And I'm also doing uh, helping friends find other friends, friends who want to borrow money for their real estate projects, helping them find you know my other friends who uh, want to lend money for real estate projects, short-term, fast money. Um, and that's pretty cool as well. <laughs> yep. So you have the, the, the situations where you, uh, you can live in the house for free or you may maybe even you m make a profit later by, by selling, the, selling the house onto an investor um, and uh, or you, you, can, you can flip the house immediately. Uh, are there any other common arrangements which you have? Well, there's a multiple yep. uh, different, I, I think, real estate strategies. So, there, so I have an investor network, and each of the other investors tends to do something different. So some develop land, mm -hmm. and some buy properties that are beat up and then do the fix-up. Some buy properties that are pretty much good right now, and they just put tenants in them and hold them. Um, there's people who buy properties and divide them up. So there's all kinds of um, different ways to buy how to buy properties, or different strategies to increase value on those properties. Um, my two favorite are lease options, and then I'll buy and then sell on a lease option. So that's a lease option wrap. Mm -hmm. I'll have an option and then I'll sell an option that's even greater than mine um, to another party. Mm -hmm. And so when they cash me out, I cash out the seller who sold me the option. And there's money, there's a spread there 
Uh, the other way that I like to buy properties is wholesale. That means I make an arrangement with a seller to come with cash within 30 days, 15 days. It depends on how good of a discount there is. If it's a really good discount, I can come with cash tomorrow. Um, if it's an all right discount, you know, I give myself 30 days. Um, and then with those, I'll find one of my um, other investors and we'll usually partner on the deal, depending on the size of the project and what the exit strategy would be. So if I got a wholesale priced property because it's really beat up, then I would call one of my rehabber investors that will come in, maybe they have a construction crew, and will come in and get that project up to a retail condition. Yeah. Mm. So those are my two favorite ways, lease options and wholesaling. Mm -hmm. Those are my two favorite techniques for acquiring and um, getting rid of properties. Mm -hmm. So uh, last night you were talking about how, how there's these, these three concepts of, uh, of ownership, control, and, and debt, and a lot of people blend these th three together, but they're actually quite separate. Can you, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. Just like I was talking about, there's, um, there's two different markets for properties. One is the retail market, and then um, one is the investment market, hmm. right? It's the same thing with mentalities. So retail buyers usually uh, have the idea of ownership, the debt, and the um, control, and the usage or the control. Right. And by ownership, I mean not the rights of ownership, but the the title work, or who who the house is recorded to. Um, so those three concepts are usually all tied together in the retail world. The person who buys the house and gets on title is the person who lives in the house. That's the same person who pays the mortgage. In the retail world, those three things are not necessarily um, tied together. Often they're not. You can sometimes um, increase value of a property by divorcing those three concepts. So going back to this example of the house I live in at the moment, the house in Washington State, um, someone else is on the title because I only bought an option on it. My option is notarized and um, I sometimes even record options, but that doesn't transfer the title to me. It just transfer all the rights of ownership. So I get to control a property. I could live in it, or I could fill it with other renters. Mm -hmm. That's what that does, but it doesn't, it doesn't transfer the title to me. So it still technically belongs to, like legally belongs to uh, the seller until I exercise my option yep. and actually purchase the house. But I'm not interested in owning the house. I'm interested in controlling the house. Hmm. I want to lock in a price now so that I can capture any appreciation. But I don't necessarily want to receive the tax bill, which is all the title is good for. Um, so in this situation, someone else is uh, the recorded owner. I am the one who gets the rights of usage and the rights of ownership. And then I rent out these rooms. So it's actually these other parties that are making the payment. So that's kind of like a corporate externality in that I get all the benefit, but someone else uh, has the responsibility of the payments, right? Mm -hmm. So, and there's different ways to divorce those three concepts in all kinds of properties, commercial, raw land, uh, and then residential. Yeah, so that's important to, to know that those three things in the investment world don't have to be together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, have, having an option, you, you are speculating to some extent that the house is gonna appreciate, but then if it, if it depreciates, I guess you can, 
you could just walk away or you could refer the, 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 the seller to somebody else so they, can, um, so they can move the house quickly. Exactly, in the rare event that there wasn't a significant discount when you agreed on the option and on the price, mm-hmm. uh, and also that the market doesn't rise during that 24 months, mm-hmm. um, you have the option to give the property back to the previous owner. Mm. I mean, that's the great thing about an option is that it's not an obligation. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's very rare that a property doesn't appreciate. And normally, I don't go live in my lease option purchases. Um, I'll acquire a house with a lease option, and then I'll sell an option to another party. And they are banking on the opportunity of future appreciation from their contract price during the next 24 months. Yeah, so then again, you know, if the market does not go up, they can return the house to me if they say, hey, my bank doesn't think that uh, this is financeable. Yep. And then I have the option to, you know, the opportunity to sell an option to another party or to give the house back to the previous seller. Cool. Yeah. So uh, if some, someone wants to start out, um, maybe uh, if, if they don't even have any money, could they, could they start doing something like this? They definitely could, yeah. Yep. Yeah, just um, if you see, if you live in an area, um, and you, you see those we buy houses signs around, you should give it a, a call because that investor knows people who sell houses with rent to own terms. Hmm. So even though you are not trying to sell a house, if you see a we buy houses sign, call that investor and say, hey, I'm looking for a rent to own home. Can you connect me with um, a rent to own home that you might have or can you refer me to one of your investor friends who might do that? And you can usually, uh, as a retail end user that's going to live in the home, you can usually acquire a rent-to-own home in the United States for uh, as little as $3,500 down. Mm. And that locks in a price right now, and that even if the house goes up um, significantly during the term that you have, the time frame that you have before you have to get your loan completed, um, you keep all that extra appreciation as the buyer. So I'll give an example. This is a, there was a crazy time in Las Vegas where um, you can make money by standing in line at one of the developer's showrooms. It was so, there was so much appreciation that you could walk into a showroom, get a contract on a house that wasn't going to be complete for six months, come back to that showroom in five months, and sell your contract to some other retail buyer who was there. Um, and you could even sell them your contract at a discount and still make thirty or forty thousand dollars because there was so much appreciation happening in between every phase of a development. So it was an incredible time. This was in the uh, 2003, 2004, 2005 um, era in Las Vegas. Anyway, I had a property that I had agreed to, uh, I had sold an option on for I think a hundred and I want to say 190,000 for um, this strange kind of zero lot line property. Uh, and in the next 24 months of the, uh, of the, of the purchaser's option time, uh, the house had appreciated $100,000. So it was now worth $290,000. Wow. 
And so he still only had to pay. He made all his payments on time and lived up to the agreement, right? So he still uh, only had to pay 190000 for that house. And he captured the $100,000 worth of appreciation. And I think he bought that option for $5,000 in the beginning. So in an appreciating market, buying options on houses can be an incredible opportunity. Hmm. And so, so that was, like you mentioned, 2003, 2004, that was like in the, in the, the middle of the, the housing boom in the United States. Uh, things, uh, the, the market has maybe settled down a bit uh, now, but the, these kind of deals are still in, entirely possible. Um, or maybe not that exact kind of deal, but it's, it's still possible to make rent money. Rent-to-owns are always possible, yep. um, even when the seller doesn't know it. As a buyer, if you know how to construct a rent-to-own contract, mm -hmm. uh, you can explain that to a seller just just by asking them, hey, uh, what if we could agree on this price, but give me 24 months to get my bank loan completed and I'll make you a monthly payment in the meantime. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of owners that um, the only reason they're not selling that way is because they haven't thought of it. Mm -hmm. um, but the difference in what kind of appreciation you can capture really depends on the volatility of your local market. So yep. in Las Vegas or Phoenix, these are places that have high volatility. They're either in a skyrocket um, appreciation or a roller coaster <laughs> uh, falling off a cliff and descent. Yep. So that's great, though, for people who uh, see, the, see the opportunities in volatile markets. If you're a buy and hold sort of investor or a kind of older money, we call them, where they'll, uh, they're more conservative in their movements, uh, these investors aren't as keen about volatile markets. They would prefer a, a much more stable market with ge with uh, gentle appreciation over time. Mm -hmm. So, so doing this, making this, these kind of uh, rent rent to buy uh, contracts and, and uh, creating options, you're actually providing the service in in one sense of smoothing out the the market prices or reducing the volatility for the sellers. Well, in the end, when the, when the buyer completes their bank loan, hmm. it still is based on appraisals. Mm -hmm. So the market values, um, I'm not sure if, if rent-to-own opportunities of, of, of a market that's saturated with rent-to-own opportunities affect mm. the volatility or not. Right. I'm right. not sure about if it's, it has a stabilizing effect or a... Um, but I mean, I mean to say, uh, from, the, from the seller's perspective, they don't have to worry so much about the volatility because, because the, the option that you've created help, helps them not worry about that. Well, that's right. They can get um, they can get their house sold. Well, one thing that one benefit, one real benefit to uh, selling with a lease and an option for the seller um, is that you can get your house sold faster. Mm -hmm. Get the payments being made by someone else right now. If your payments are the issue for your motivation um, to sell, and you can get closer to the price you want. Sometimes people have difficulty selling their house because it's not priced correctly. Well, if you have a house for sale that's only worth, say, 100000 adding 
uh, and let's say you want 120,000 for it, you just there's not gonna there's not gonna be a sale hmm. because your desired uh, sales price and the market price aren't close enough. Mm-hmm. But when you add terms that are favorable and increase the size of your potential um, buyer pool, right? You increase the demand and then you increase the price. So there's extra value there. You're selling the house and the terms, which make it easier for the buyer. So that in itself has value. Mm-hmm. So those two things together can get you a, a higher price as a seller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when people uh, look, look at doing this kind of thing, uh, do they need to talk to a lawyer to, to write up a contract? People like to talk to lawyers, and lawyers like to have people pay them. Of course. <laughs> um, but just like you and I agreed to sit down and do this interview right now, anything yep. um, that's voluntary can be negotiated and written down on a piece of paper. Yep. So very, almost never do we use lawyers for simple agreements like lease options or wholesale house purchases. Oh, okay. Only when a deal becomes really convoluted, let's say a, a multi-phase commercial or triple net leases or um, properties that are being divided, let's say um, turned into mixed use, mm-hmm. uh, then we'll have uh, some kind of a, a specialist help arrange the contracts. But for simple, I want to buy your house, you want to sell your house, those kind of uh, everyday purchases, there's no need for a lawyer. Okay. And you you would just write down the terms and say, I'll pay you this much per month for, for, for 24 months and, the, and at the end I have the option to buy it you could during make it, that time. You could make it that simple. Yeah, definitely. Okay. We use a just a contract that we use all the time. Uh, when we when we buy, hmm. we use a lease and an option that's in one contract. Mm-hmm. And when we sell lease options, we have a rental agreement that's one contract and we have an option agreement that's another contract. Um, but the option agreement is like a one-page letter-sized uh, paper that explains the terms of the option and it references the lease, that they have to live up to the agreements of the lease during their option period. Uh, and the lease is a standalone document that just has all the terms of their regular monthly rental. Okay, so so you just you just have some some templates there, which uh, a, a lawyer has drawn up originally, or it's just some somebody who's. I've actually constructed my contracts over time from mm-hmm. my experiences, mm-hmm. um, and I've tried to make them uh, efficient. Yep. So that they explain everything that they need to. Yep. Uh, in, in kind of an everyday English, so that the the other party uh, feels comfortable um, and understand understands the contracts uh, as we go through it right there at their kitchen table usually. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's all written in plain English, not in legalese. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, it okay. says, you know, I Anna Pashanta agree to buy this property whose address is. You fill that in. From the seller whose name is, you fill that in. Yep. It just basically goes down just exactly like that. We go through it together and fill it out together. So it's, it's an inclusive process. Um, yeah, so it's instead of adversarial um, 
uh, arrangements, um, yeah. like seating positions at the table. It's usually like people like me and the seller sitting together yep. and saying like, okay, so if I remember correctly, you said that a payment of $1,200 a month would be a solution um, for, for you. Mm -hmm. um, and usually we just go over the terms that they've kind of described to me in the first place. Yep. If those terms weren't agreeable to me, we, the contract never hits the table. If they were agreeable to me, then that's when we proceed. Okay. So there's not a whole lot of negotiation. It's definitely not adversarial. It's more like I just talk to them long enough for them to feel comfortable to tell me what they need. Okay. So you, you never really get into into haggling or bargaining or saying, you know, it has to be this this price or, you know, can you give me 90000 or anything like that? Well, with, my, with a, a regular house seller, no. Yep. I don't force deals ever because if that kind of comes from a, a scarcity mentality yep. and I, I kind of tend towards um, an abundance mentality. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just approach the person who called me with um, the mindset of trying to come up with solutions. Mm -hmm. And that's really all I think about because if I can come up with a solution, I'm adding value. And if I'm adding value, there will be a payment. I just never worry about that. And if I can't add value with anything that I do or my other investors in my network, then I refer them. That's because they're in a retail situation. So I refer them to someone who deals with retail houses. So in a way, that in itself is adding value. And that comes back to me later. That realtor who receives that um, connection will later on... Um, pass deals my way. So it all works out. So I never, I never force a deal with house sellers. I sometimes will haggle with my other investors that are in my network and it's just kind of, um, it's just kind of how we are. We're all a little bit, we're cooperative, but also a little bit competitive. So, um, there's some kind of, uh, there's kind of a brotherhood in the, in the harshness that we, uh, uh use when dealing with each other. So, <laughs> it's kind of fun. Cool. Cool. So, uh, are, are there any other principles that that people should keep in mind if they're trying to get into this? I, I guess it's a it's about uh, network building, relatability, looking for solutions. Uh, those those three things would you, would you say those are important, or there are, are there other things which are more important? Um, if someone wanted to get into this to be a real estate investor. Hmm. Is that what you mean? To, to, to be an investor to do this over and over and over again or someone who just wants to find a rent-to-own house as an end user? Uh, let's see. Well, let's say, yeah, doing it over and over. As an investor? Sure. Yeah. Well, I would say that there's plenty of information about how to get started on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, I could give a shout-out to some of the people who have information that I think is extremely valuable. Uh, if you want to learn about wholesaling houses, I would say um, listen to Sean Terry and his podcast called Flip to Freedom. Mm -hmm. um, and there's some excellent books on one thing I want to say about Sean Terry uh, is this man is this man's an amazing man you can tell that he's not a guru who's trying to make money off of his information because he never charges for anything uh, he, he really does make all of his money on uh, his actual real estate investing so his podcasts are free and even this uh, book that he wrote uh, which is I, I think it's called something like quit your job in 19 weeks or less 
mm-hmm. something like that with wholesaling properties. I'm, I forget the actual, but he gives that away for free. And unlike a lot of books that gurus put out, um, real estate investment gurus, is uh, every single step of the process is available right there in that book. There's even a contract for a purchase and sale agreement in the book. So amazing uh, man, and I want to say thanks to Sean Terry. Um, on the lease option side, uh, Peter Conti and David Finkel have some great books on uh, how to construct lease option deals. But there's also, you know, these days there's all this stuff uh, is in video right on YouTube. You can search this stuff and find out exactly how to do it. Um, and you can network with investors in your area and get contracts from them if you don't have your own contracts to use. Um, and then the rest of it is keep your heart and your mind focused on adding value to someone else. Mm-hmm. And if you constantly keep your compass pointed in that direction, you will get paid. So if you, are, if you start worrying about how much money am I going to make or any of that stuff, um, you'll tend to back up your, your flow. So for me, whenever I go into a property, and this actually is a negotiating technique in a way because when you go into a property not caring about if you make a purchase or not, only caring about solving some problem the seller has, right? You become the unmotivated buyer, hmm. which helps them feel comfortable. Hmm. And it also helps them feel motivated to talk you into the deal. Hmm. So it's strange, but by not worrying about your profit and worrying about helping them, you actually facilitate more deals. Mm-hmm. Because whenever, you know, whoever's less motivated in a exchange gets the better deal and has more negotiating power. Right. And it also, it also must t- take off a lot of pressure. Like, you don't have to feel nervous because all you're doing is going there to help them. Exactly. Like the house that um, I referenced earlier, um, I, was, I was working it into my schedule. That house happened to be on my way to another appointment. And I called up the seller and said, hey, are you home? Um, you know, I'm going through your, your neighborhood. I can stop by and look at the house real quick. Well, we constructed a deal right then and there. Hmm. Great. And I wasn't even, I, I, it was just kind of like spur of the moment thing. Um, I said, oh, there's this one house that wants me to stop by in this, one, in this neighborhood. Uh, I'll just call them, see if they're home. I'm going through that area anyway. And it ended up being a great deal, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to net me about 50000 And here's the other thing about that deal. When she was telling me about her situation and basically explaining to me everything that I could do to solve her problems, right? Um, I set it up in a way that when I sell the property, any profit I make, she gets 10% of. And this is just this little thing I do. Um, to kind of help the flow of energy. I'm getting a little esoteric here, but by making them kind of a co-investor with me, um, it feels like a totally different kind of transaction. So the more money I make, the more money the seller makes. And so it keeps it from being adversarial. It turns the seller into a teammate with me. Mm-hmm. And it's just 
10% to me, I mean, um, it's totally worth it. And it uh, makes the seller feel um, connected to me all the way through the process instead of just at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so they're interested in me working on the house if, that, if it needs it or adding value in some other way. It makes them interested in me um, being able to sell the house at a higher price. And it keeps them on my side of the table throughout the whole process. Uh, and I think it also does something for karma or mm -hmm. at least, you know, some kind of positivity mm -hmm. in the whole transaction. And it makes their life better, not only in the beginning, but also throughout the thing. So it's it's great. Yeah. So uh, I, I assume that once you you help a lot of sellers like this, they must, uh, you know, if they know someone who's, who's selling a house, they'll probably say, oh, I know. Adam can help you with that right. uh, and pass on your details. Word of mouth is huge. Yeah. If you do good, if you do good to people, they'll tell their friends, and if you do bad to people, they'll tell their friends. Mm. So yep. yeah, yep. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's all the questions I have. Uh, how can we find more information about the Connector app, <laughs> or is it it's still in the development? Can, well, yeah, you can go to our website, which is Connector Ninja, mm -hmm. uh, or you can find us on Facebook, um, just Connector app on Facebook. Um, yeah, and we're excited for that to come out in the next few months. Cool. It'll come out first for iPhone um, and then be ported over to Android within a few months after that. So, Great. Yeah, so that could, that could be a, a great way for, for people to get together, especially for peaceful anarchists uh, around the world looking to, to make some connections and uh, maybe talk about entrepreneurship or something like that. Definitely. And... Uh, I really believe that the awakening phase of our particular movement um, has been going for quite a while now. And now we need to enter the phase of um, conscious and intentional um, agorist networks. Mm -hmm. So we need to start forming um, trade routes and communities and support that help make the government obsolete mm -hmm. so that we can increase the peace. Um, so that is uh, one of my main motivations for the Connector app. And um, so it's being introduced to our uh, community first, but it really is monumentally helpful for the whole world because right now we make friendships by happening to be at the same job or school mm -hmm. at the same time as another person. And then trying to do the effort to find out if we're a match for friendship. Yep. or a match for dates. Yep. Uh, and this is like backwards to me. It seems like you should see, see someone's stats and say, yeah. oh, that is Someone's my kind of person, then go meet hit. them. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> it, uh, it turns the way we make relationships completely backwards, and, an, and I think it turns them right way around mm -hmm. um, so that we are um, spending time with and effort to develop relationships with people we already know that we are a match with. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be huge. Uh, very excited about uh, its potential and how much it can help. Yep. yep. Yeah, I was watching an interview the other day. I, th I think it was with uh, Roger Ver, and he said that it's, it's crazy how you have something like Tinder, which uh, dating has been the same for centuries, even millennia to, to some extent. Uh, and now you have the, this app which, which changes the game like um, you know, within a few years, 
and and people meet each other in a in a whole different way. And this this the connector app is going to expand that even more. Uh, so so you can be making friends like maybe you have been just touched down in the city for a couple of nights and, and meet up with people who who are interesting. To yeah, you. you can meet people who are already your friends hmm. that you've just never met yet, <laughs> and have dinner with them or or uh, yeah. Exactly. Yep. And dating too, to be able to, to, mm -hmm. to be able to look at all the stats of a potential partner and see that they're on a map somewhere near you. Um, so that when you do make that first contact, all you have to do is say, look at my profile. We are the same kind of person. And uh, there's uh, such a shortcut to rapport that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Great. Uh, any, any final notes? Anything else you want to add? I just want to tell the people that um, take the take the most out of this current moment and your experience now. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> live with right. passion and live with intention. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much, Adam. Yeah, man.